take your Bibles and turn to Amos chapter 4. One thing that we always forget to tell you is if you are a first-time guest with us, if you'll fill out the paper connection card that's in front of you in the chair back uh, and bring that to the Connection Center after the service, you get a gift uh, from us, and we want to be able to give that to you, but you gotta, we, we got to know your name in order to do that. So if you fill that out, bring it back there, you will get a, 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 a gift from us. Ladies, if you didn't get your Mother's Day gift tote bag, anybody carrying theirs this morning? I don't think so. Um, we finally, in September, got the ones we ordered in May. So you can get one if you didn't get one. They're also in the uh, foyer right next to the Connection Center. You don't have to be a church member to get one. Just uh, go by and grab one uh, when, when you leave. We would ask that you wouldn't get one for, for all your mama nims uh, as you're going because we might not have enough to go around for the folks who are here. We want to be sure that everybody who is here gets one first. <clears throat> Uh, celebrations uh, this week we had uh, I told you last week that we've been averaging about 32 in our youth group on Wednesday nights this past Wednesday night we had 37 youth Uh, I don't know I don't know the last time we had that many in in my six years here there there may have been some Wednesday nights we had that many or more but I don't I don't know when so we are excited about that we uh, also are excited about the return of trunk or treat sort of Uh, I think I got a slide in there Pat do it yeah except we're calling it light up the night we're doing it differently this year than we've done it in the past we haven't done it for the last couple of years Uh, yes at the moment it says October 30th we have talked to Henning, who we have often coordinated with, well, always coordinated with when we did Trunk or Treat, and that's the night they're doing Trunk or Treat. I don't know if that's the night that the city is telling us to trick or treat or not. Uh, we haven't gotten that far into the, the details yet, right, Chelsea? Okay, you know what I said? Oh, gotcha, okay. Um, we, we think we're trick or treating on October 30th, but we don't know what the city's doing. We don't think? Okay, well, the city will send out an announcement. Yeah, right. Henning's doing their stuff on the 30th, not the 31st. We'll see what the city says, because the 31st is a Monday night, and they may move it back to Sunday night to get it on a weekend. But anyway, regardless, at the moment, this is the date we're doing it. We are doing it differently from the past. We, in the past, we have just gotten you to bring 10 million pieces of candy, and we had half a million people just walk by our cars and take candy. Well, we're going to do it not quite so uh, freely this time. They don't have to pay for candy. It's not that. We're, we're not going to all have trunks full of candy. We're going to have, I think we're at probably five stations right now. We are going to have hot dogs, uh, hot chocolate. We hope it's another cool Halloween like it was the last time we did Trunk or Treat. That was not cool, that was cold that night. Uh, Hot dogs, popcorn, uh, we're going to have some fire pits for s'mores. Um, 
something else. We're still working on, on that. And we're going to ask our, our D groups to be in charge of each of those spots. Now, if you're not in a D group, you can still help. We encourage you to help. We want you to help. But you need to find a spot to fit in. Uh, with one of those stations. And this is, we're still formulating all this. We'll get more um, solid information on how you can sign up and, and that sort of thing in the coming weeks. I just want to make you aware of it, though, because it's going to be a big deal. We've got uh, something like 12 or, or 15 canopies that we bought back when we thought we were going to be meeting outside longer during the pandemic. Uh, we've got some that are 10 by 30, and we've got some that are 10 by 10. We're going to use those, but we're not going to use the, the actual fabric part. We're just going to use the, the frame, and we're going to string Christmas lights in all those frames so that our parking lot has this arch of lights that people walk down and, and come and get their, their stuff. So anyway, it's going to be a little different, but it's going to be a great opportunity for community outreach. Here's, here's the, the secret behind this, and I don't mind giving it away uh, to folks who, who might be watching online. They go, oh, wait a minute, they're trying to talk to me. Yeah, that's the point. Um, the point is to talk to people. With the trunk or treat, it was kind of go by with your bag and get your candy and whatever. But if, if you're having to make hot chocolate and decorate a hot dog and, 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 and cook your s'more and uh, then there's just more time for conversation. People are standing around and talking to each other, and we have an opportunity to have some true outreach instead of just dumping candy in a bag as people walk by. So I think it's going to be a great time. Uh, as I said, more details will be coming out. I just want to put that bug in your ear so you're beginning to plan for that. Again, at the moment, it is on a Sunday night, so your D groups will... Instead of meeting at your homes, you'll come and you'll meet here and take part in that. Uh, we'll help you find, if your hot dogs, we'll help you find the grills. If your s'mores, we'll help you find some fire pits that people can move in. Uh, I know we have one we can bring up here. Others probably do too, and, and we'll have all that. And since it's fire pits, we don't have to worry about making the city mad about a bonfire. Uh, so that works out. All right. So those are our celebrations for the week. Uh, our message this morning is from Amos chapter 4, verses 1 through 13, ignoring warnings. That's the, the, the title of the message. Remember I told you last week, as we work through the minor prophets, we just got to get ready to be hammered. They, they don't hold back. They don't pull punches. They let the people know what the people need to know, and they do it pretty much without apology. And that's where we are. Our memory verse for these six weeks is Amos 5.24. This week, it's still just the verse. No, no words taken out, so you can read it straight off of there. But let justice flow like water and righteousness like an unfailing stream. Amos 5.24. I didn't tell you to read it with me, so a lot of you didn't. So let's try that again and read it with me as we commit it to memory. But let justice flow like water and righteousness like an unfailing stream. Amos 5.24. I have a feeling this one's going to be much easier to memorize than the last one. So last week, our message focused on the justice part 
of that memory verse more than the righteousness part. This week, we are going to be focusing on the righteousness portion of that. That's Amos's uh, uh, focus in his sermon, this, this uh, second sermon of three that we have in chapter three, chapter four, and chapter five, chapter five being where we get our memory verse from. But, but he has moved from the justice portion of chapter 2 to uh, more of a righteousness portion, uh, righteousness part in chapter 3. Uh, uh, as Edda told us this morning in our Connect group, uh, kind of a, in chapter 3, it was a cause and effect. If this happens, you know this is going to happen. And if this has happens, you know this has happened. Well, guess what? When I do this to, when, when you've done this, you know what's going to happen. There was a cause, and he says, I am the effect. But we can't get away, we can't compartmentalize justice and righteousness. While we focus on justice and we focus on righteousness on different weeks, the two are intertwined, so we, we can't make too hard of a distinction between the two. Y'all, this is the, the dilemma every preacher faces. Every week, we feel like we need to preach the whole Bible. Well, that, that'd take me a little while. I mean, I could do it, probably. I, you know, y'all pretty much are aware. I, it's okay, y'all don't need to. I could talk for quite some time and, and already do. But, that, but we feel like, as preachers, we, like, oh, I, I can't focus on this, because if I just focus on this, there's all of this other that we're missing out on. And, and that's true. I, I can't get, it, get, up, get to all of it. Amos couldn't get to all of it in his sermons. So you know what the answer to that is? Be here every week. Because if you're here every week, you're going to get the whole picture. So last week we talked about justice. This week we are talking about righteousness. But the two are intertwined. Now... Last week, Amos didn't talk a lot about their worship, about the religion part of it. He, he talked about what they were doing in daily life uh, from uh, a perspective of someone who follows God, but not even uh, the perspective of somebody who follows God, but just anybody. He, he condemns, Amos does, all the, the nations are in the area just to let them know, hey, Y'all aren't doing it right either, and you don't even have my law, but these are just basic things you should know not to do. What he needs them to understand, what he needs Israel to understand at this point, is that idolatry will lead to injustice, just as injustice will lead to idolatry. It doesn't matter what you put first, and this is the whole theme of Amos, justice and righteousness. Justice and idolatry, and how they are intertwined, justice and righteousness are intertwined as followers of God, believers in Jesus for us, but injustice and, uh, and idolatry are also intertwined. You get either one first, you're going to end up with the other one eventually. If you go to idols, then you are going to end up at injustice, because idols don't require the same things that our God requires. But if you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a follower of God, 
and you begin to allow injustice into your life and you make that a repeated habit of your life, eventually that injustice, that belief system, whatever it is, will become an idol to you that will replace God. You'll put your beliefs, your ideas, your injustices in a higher position than God. And we can become so determined that, that the injustices we are committing are right, good, or acceptable, that they just become idols that get in the way of hearing from and worshiping God. Now, we talked about last week that God's already reminded the people, he reminded them in chapter 2, that he had sent them the Nazarites as examples. They're going to live righteously, and you need to follow their example. And he has sent them prophets as teachers to stand before them and say, Thus saith the Lord, thus says God's word. And the people had rejected both of them. They didn't want their examples, and they didn't want the teachers. Make, make the examples do things that are bad examples and shut the teachers up. And that's what the people did. And so we come to Amos 4, 1 through 13, where Amos is going to talk about the, the, the warnings that the people had ignored. Read with me, beginning in chapter one, uh, verse 1 of chapter 4. Listen to this message, you cows of Bashan, who are on the hill of Samaria, women who oppress the poor and crush the needy, who say to their husbands, bring us something to drink. The Lord God has sworn by his holiness, look, the days are coming when you will be taken away with hooks, every last one of you with fish hooks. You will go through the breaches in the wall, each woman straight ahead, and you will be driven along toward Harmon. This is the Lord's declaration. Come to Bethel and rebel. Rebel even more at Gilgal. Bring your sacrifices every morning, your tenths every three days. Offer leavened bread as a thank offering and loudly proclaim your free will offerings. For that is what you Israelites love to do. This is the Lord's declaration. I gave you absolutely nothing to eat in all your cities, a shortage of food in all your communities, yet you did not return to me. This is the Lord's declaration. I also withheld the rain from you while there were still three months until harvest. I sent rain on one city, but no rain on another. One field received rain, while a field with no rain withered. Two or three cities staggered to another city to drink water, but were not satisfied. Yet you did not return to me. This is the Lord's declaration. I struck you with blight and mildew. The locusts devoured your many gardens and vineyards, your fig trees and olive trees. Yet you did not return to me. This is the Lord's declaration. I sent plagues like those in, of Egypt. I killed your young men with the sword along with your captured horses. I caused the stench of your camp to fill your nostrils, yet you did not return to me. This is the Lord's declaration. I overthrew some of you as I overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, and you were like a burning stick snatched from a fire, yet you did not return to me. This is the Lord's declaration. Therefore, Israel... This is what I will do to you. And since I will do that to you, Israel, prepare to meet your God. He is here. 
The one who forms the mountains, creates the wind, and reveals his thoughts to man. The one who makes the dawn out of darkness and strides on the heights of the earth. The Lord, the God of armies, is his name. Wow, Amos. You should write Hallmark cards. We need the warnings in our lives. We need the warnings in our lives to warn us to heed the warnings. If we ignore the warnings about our injustice, our hollow religion, and our performative worship, we will experience God's judgment. That's your big idea this morning. I, I thought I had that. You can back up, Pat. I thought I had that on the, uh, as a slide, but apparently I don't. I did it before the verses. Oh, that was my bad. Okay, yeah, stop there. I'll read it again for you. If we ignore the warnings about our injustice, our hollow religion, and our performative worship, we will experience God's judgment. Remember I told you last week, too, that as we move through the prophets, we're going to be on a roller coaster. It's going to be awful, 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 awful. Let's see, let's go, let's go down for that one. Awful, 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 awful hope. Awful, awful, awful hope. Awful, awful, awful hope. Well, sorry, we're on two weeks of awful. Amos had a lot of awful to talk about with Israel. Israel had a lot of awful to talk about with the prophets that God had sent. And the concern is that they had ignored the warnings. The things that they had been told were, would happen are about to happen. Well, let's, let's look at those things. First, we see in uh, verses 1 through 3, we see the hollow worshipers. Remember I talked about it, 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 our hollow religion in our, our main idea, our hollow religion. Well, we have, he has, he sees in Israel, hollow worshipers. Now, he mentions the women, but the, the women are just an example. If you go back to chapter 3, he talks about everybody. The men are certainly included. And, and actually, given the, the way society was structured then, the women only have this position that they're in because of the men. It had been created, uh, a society had been created that allowed these women to do these sorts of things. We're just starting this morning with verse 1 of chapter 4 and not somewhere in chapter 3. So we are starting the, with the women. Chapter 3 starts calling everybody out. And uh, you may have talked about this in your connect group this morning. When it calls the women cows of Bashan, we can't think 21st century cows. We, we know what that would mean. Uh, it, not a compliment. It wasn't a compliment from him either, but it was a, not a compliment for different reasons than we would think. We call someone a cow, we might be referencing size, hard-headedness, that sort of thing. What Amos is telling them when he calls them cows, it's, it's actually complimentary, but he just means it in a negative way. The cows of Bashan were the finest cattle you could get. They had the best fields. They had the best water. Uh, I have a, we have a friend in Texas who uh, has a, a show cow, uh, and, and the, the breed, I believe, that they, 
love in Texas is a cross between a longhorn and a, some European breed, if I remember correctly, and they came, it is the Santa Gertrudis. It's, that, it's, it's a big, reddish, uh, primarily reddish cow, and this cow of, of Bart and his daughter is babied like you wouldn't believe, ba- uh, bathed and brushed, especially on show day. And that sucker is beautiful, perfectly proportioned. And, 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 you know, how many of y'all were ever in 4-H? Anybody in here ever in 4-H? Yeah, not me. My daddy was, and, and he could tell you, and y'all might could remember all the things you had to judge when you were judging a show cow, shoulder height and head and all, I don't know. But this is that kind of cow. Well, that's what Amos is talking about. He, he's saying, these ladies, you women, y'all are show cows. Y'all are beautiful. And, and let's remember, too, that at this time, if you were scrawny and skinny, that was because you were poor and hungry. But if you were sleek and proportioned, uh, curvy, you, that meant you were well off. That was, that was what was considered beauty. So when you read this, cows of Bashan, read beautiful, well taken care of, uh, well fed, sleek, babied, spoiled brats. Um, and as we get a little further in the passage, lazy and demanding. So, complimentary with a negative result, if, if y'all can follow me there. So that's what he's talking about. And that, that, was, that was everybody in positions of authority in Samaria, in, in Israel. Fat, happy, rich, and getting there by oppressing anybody on a lower level than them. This passage, in particular uh, verse 2, but the whole stretch through 13 is going to show us uh, both directions of sin. Horizontal sin, sin toward God, and vertical sin, uh, sin toward each other. If we think back to Jesus and what he said when tested by the, the scribes and the Pharisees, teacher, What's the most important commandment? We'll get him on this one. There are ten of them. He can't can't answer this one right. And he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is just like it. So like 1A, 1B, or like 1A and a half, 1A and a half, or just very, very close. Love your neighbor as yourself. Horizontal and vertical. I did that backwards. Vertical and horizontal. Takes special skill to say it one way and do it the other. It's, it's kind of that thing. The economy, the government, and the religion were all systemically sinful, and they supported each other in that sin. The, the priests supported the, the rulers, and the rulers supported the business people, and the business people supported the, the priests, and, and, and this this upper-class oppression of everybody else reflected that they did not fear, love, worship God the way they should have. And God steps in, and God says no more. Uh, In verse 2, he says, the Lord God has sworn by his holiness. Now, if you're going to swear by something, 
you got to swear by something that means something, right? That's why we will say something like, I swear on the Bible. You go to a courtroom and you have to swear on the Bible. It's something that means something. Oh, I, this is, I'm, I'm promising because my hand's on the Bible. On, on uh, somebody's grave or whatever. It, well, when God says, I swear by my holiness, was there anything more holy he could swear by? The answer is no. So he is swearing by the greatest thing he could. So you know what that means? It's going to happen. It's coming. God is going to do this. And he's going to do this because there are hollow worshipers in charge. Now, hollow worshipers are going to lead to hollow worship in verses 4 and 5. And this is where we see why they were hollow worshipers. They were, they, they were unjust. They were oppressive. They were um, doing all of these things to, to stay fat, sleek, and happy with no regard for anybody else. But then they showed up at worship like clockwork. So God says to them through Amos, well, come on. Come on down to your, your fake temples and your fake idols to worship your fake gods. As a matter of fact, do all the things that, that you think you're supposed to do in worship. Come to Bethel and rebel. Rebel even more at Gilgal. Bring your, your sacrifices every morning, your tents, your, your thank offerings, your, your free will offerings. That's what you love to do, right? You love to show up at worship on Saturday, in their case, on Saturday, when you have lived like the devil all week, thinking, well, if I go through some motions on Saturday, I can pick it back up the next morning doing whatever I want to, walking on whoever I want to, and it won't matter because I went through religious motions. Well, that's not the way it works. Amos is clear here that true worship and social justice are tied together. There must be a daily response to your relationship that is celebrated, for lack of a better term, on the weekend. What you learn here on Sunday morning when you come to connect groups, when you come to worship, when you take part in D groups, when you do your Bible reading through the week, those things affect your every day, every moment, all of your relationships, all of your responsibilities. It changes who we are. And if it doesn't, there is a problem. If we jump to the New Testament for just a moment to James Chapters 1 and 2, he makes it clear. This was one of these was part of your reading, our reading this week. James chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. If anyone thinks he is religious without controlling his tongue, he's very specific at this moment, his religion is useless and he deceives himself. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. But in case we didn't get it, that part of the letter, James continues in chapter 2, verse 17, talking about how important faith is, certainly. But if you have faith with no works... Do you really have faith? He says in verse 17, in the same way, faith, if it doesn't have works, is dead by itself. Works doesn't get you faith, but faith should lead to works. And that's the message 
Amos is telling the people here, true worship and, and your actions during the week, social justice, are tied together. And this is also hollow worship because they were worshiping in an improper location, in an improper manner, to improper gods with improper leaders. Jeroboam, when he became uh, king of the northern kingdom, starting it up when it split into two, Rehoboam in the south, Jeroboam in the north, he set up places to worship because he didn't want them going to Jerusalem didn't want him going to the temple. So he set up alternative places to worship. He picked the high priest and the other leadership of the, the, the temples that they met in. He was the one that appointed prophets. All of God's standards, all of God's rules were thrown out. So this was hollow worship because it wasn't the right kind of worship. It wasn't in the right place. It wasn't even worshiping the one true God, not truly. People of Israel, the cows, the bulls, all of them, had substituted performative worship for righteous behavior. If we just show up on the weekend, if we just show up on the day of worship, and we put on the nice clothes, and we give our tithes, and we do the sacrifices, everything will be fine. What what you won't notice because you're not a part of the sacrificial system, and truthfully, I wouldn't have noticed either if I hadn't read the right books. It's what is completely left out of the sacrifices that Amos talks about. Free will offerings, thank offerings, sacrifices, tithes. There is something that to us kind of slips through, but to the Jewish reader, it's quite obvious. There are no sin offerings. There are no acts of repentance in this worship. It's all the stuff that makes you feel good, all the stuff that, you know, I bring my money and I, I can bring a lot because, you know, I've basically extorted it from people for weeks and, and months and years. So I tithe a lot and I, I sacrifice, but no repentance, no change. No change of heart. Repentance, you've heard this a million times if you've been in church any length of time. Repentance is an about face, a change in direction. Going one way, now I'm going another. They never went another direction. Well, because they weren't worshiping God, hearing from godly leaders, preaching godly message, messages from God's word. They had their own gods and their own texts and everything always coincidentally confirmed what they were doing confirmation bias in the extreme hollow worship and god tells them i warned you i warned you over and over and you just ignored it verses 6 through 11 he goes through all the different ways that he has uh, warned them through the years this is somewhere around 750 B.C., uh, I'm sorry, A.D. No, I was right the first time. B.C., David came along around 1,000 B.C. So for 250 years, God warned them, made things happen to warn them, and they ignored it. 
Now, as we get to the warnings, remember that the purpose of discipline, the purpose of God's discipline, the purpose of parental discipline, the purpose of any discipline is supposed to be, and it always is with God, correction and repentance. Change. You're going to be disciplined so you don't do that again. You remember, I didn't like the discipline from the last time. I'm not going to chance that happening again. So that was the purpose of all these things he's talking about. And what he's talking about is covenantal discipline. Those things that they agreed on. For example, you sign a a, a paperwork for a loan on your house or your car. And, And what that says is, if you don't fulfill your obligation to pay the note in a timely manner they get the house or the car back. Now, we've made a a show, literally, TV show, of car repos. And and we, for whatever reason, I'm always rooting for the guy in the tow truck. And I'm like, you didn't pay your note, man. That's not your car anymore. You you signed the paperwork saying, if if I don't pay the note, you get the car back. So I'm always rooting for for them. I I think I'm in the minority on that. A lot of folks are rooting for the, the car person. But the, the repossession of the vehicle or the repossession of the home is covenantal discipline. We had a covenant and you didn't fulfill it. That's what we have here. God is telling them, number one, I always fulfilled my end of the bargain. I have never left you. I provided everything for you. You, on the other hand, broke the covenant. And so... I am going to discipline you as promised. See, these things that he lists here, that Amos lists by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, are just those promises of discipline that we read in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. God promised, told them, this is what's going to happen if you don't. If you don't do this, this is going to happen. And if you don't return to me, I'm going to do this. And if you don't return to me, I'm going to do this. I think that's Leviticus 21, maybe. 26, somewhere around in there, and it grows and gets worse, and every time you don't return, it's going to get a little harder on you. That is exactly what we see in these passages. Verse 6, Amos tells them, you didn't have any produce. You had nothing to eat in all your cities. There was no, the, the, the plants that you had didn't produce the, the food that you needed. No produce. Then, in verses 7 and 8, there are, uh, he withholds rain, and now you're not getting any, any plants at all. So, at first, it was the trees and the stalks, and the vines didn't have any fruit. Now, you don't have trees, stalks, or vines. So, y- you don't have anything. Verses nine, uh, verse 9, what you do have, what survived the, 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 the famine, what survived the drought, is going to be taken away by blight and mildew. what you have left is just going to rot there. So so now you have nothing, he says. The destruction of the plants. Then verse 10 is the destruction of the people and animals. I killed your young men. I killed their horses. Implied here, especially when he gets to talking about uh, the plagues of Egypt, is all the livestock killed them all. This is individual punishment. So, 
No food, no rain, no plants. Individually, I punished you. And then verse 11, the destruction of cities, corporate, community punishment. He says, I did it all. I did everything I told you I was going to do. And the refrain, not just this is the Lord's declaration, after every phrase is, yet you did not return to me. Yet you did not return to me. The Lord God, verse 2, has sworn by his holiness, look, the days are coming. Look, the days are coming. I've already shown you. You've already had the days. And I tried to get you back. And you didn't listen. And I escalated the discipline. And you didn't listen. You did not return to me. Therefore, God's judgment is coming. Verses 12 through 13. Therefore, Israel, that is what I will do to you. That is what's going to happen. Now, it was progressive in the past. Bad. Worse. Worse. Or. Worsest. Yeesh. He progressed. Now it's going to be, they're going to get it again, but without, without restraint, consecutive and concurrent, in order and at the same time, without rest. It is all coming down now. That's what he is saying. Prepare to meet your God. We don't want that. That, that meet your God phrase is used one, uh, at least once. It's used a number of times. But one time it's used in, in Exodus 19, 17. When Moses calls the people to the uh, base of Mount Sinai. Because he's about to go up to it and receive the Ten Commandments. But he calls all the people together to meet their God. And that's a, an, an okay situation to meet their God in. That, that's okay. We're seeing his power and the, the clouds form up there and the lightning and the thunder. Thank you, Cecil B. DeMille, for giving us the movie to, to show that, the Ten Commandments. And it's probably a pretty good representation. Uh, a lot of other stuff's not as biblical, but that's pretty good. Then in Leviticus 26, we have another uh, idea of meeting God, and this is where the progressive discipline comes in, but just so you can hear the difference in, in how we could meet God, Leviticus twenty six twenty one says, if you act with hostility toward me and un are unwilling to obey me, I will multiply your plague seven times for your sins, you hear the progression, right? I will send wild animals against you that will deprive you of your children, ravage your livestock, and will reduce your numbers until your roads are des deserted. Well, that's a totally different meeting of God. Oh, you, you meet him, all right. He shows up. But that's not the conversation you want. 
And Amos is telling the people, this is the conversation you're going to get. And it's going to be a, a lot less talking and a lot more doing. It's going to be whooping Israel and taking names is what it's going to be. And then Amos ends his statement of judgment with a, a hymn of God's power in verse 13. In case you question God's ability to do it, in case you look back over your 250-year history, Israel, and you, you look at this, uh, these, uh, this list of, of, of plagues and, and famines and droughts, and you, and you say, well, we just live in a bad area. You know, things happen. Oh, man. Oh, well, we're okay, though. We're rich now, so it doesn't matter. In case you are willing to just dismiss all of that and tell Amos, we don't think he's going to do it. We don't think he can do it. Let me tell you who God is. This God you're going to meet. This God who's going to show up with discipline that is without restraint, which is consecutive and concurrent, without rest or end, all that's coming down on you. Let me tell you about the God you're about to meet. The one who forms the mountains. I'm at verse 13. The one who forms the mountains, creates the wind, and reveals his thoughts to man. The one who makes the dawn out of darkness and strides on the heights of the earth. The Lord, the God of armies, is his name. Is that the guy you want to meet when he is about to whoop up on you? If you tell me I've got to meet some nine-year-old in the back alley, and he's going to let me have what for, all right, I'm thinking I can take most nine-year-olds. But if you tell me I've got to meet Mike Tyson, even in his age, at his age now, if I have to show up and take him on in a back alley, I ain't going. Not, not going to be there. I wouldn't want to fight George Foreman right now. I mean, because they're all going to take me out. I, I get that. Amos is saying, look, you're not going to win this fight. Judgment is coming. Why would you risk it? Why would you show up in that alley and meet this God? This God who is the former of all things. The creator of all things. He made it, then he made it look the way he wanted it to look, and, and still does. He is the revealer of all things. He reveals his thoughts to man. He hides it if he wants to, and he reveals it if he wants to. He is the controller of all things. He makes the dawn out of darkness. He controls time. He controls everything else. He is the one who is unlimited in his power. It says he strides on the heights of the earth, and he is the ruler. The Lord, the, guard of, the God of armies, is his name. That's who he is, and he is about to come down on you. And then he ends his sermon. Again, his sermons are uh, understood warnings. The problem is, with Israel at this point, again, around 750 B, 
B.C., Israel, uh, the, the northern kingdom, Israel, Samaria, they're going to fall in 722 B.C. That is only, if my math works, 28 years-ish, 20 to 25 years, let's say that, from the time that Amos is preaching. I think a lot of the reason why there's not much hope in Amos, he does get to hope, he does get to commands, like our memory verse, let justice flow like rivers and righteousness like an unfailing stream. He gets there. I think the reason he doesn't spend a lot of time on it is because for Israel, for the vast majority of people, and for the country, it's just too late. It's just too late. He doesn't say, you might meet your God. He says, prepare to meet your God. But in every message, there's hope. We are on the A.D. side of the cross, not the B.C. side of the cross. We have the messages as they are, but we also know the rest of the story. Even in Amos, we, we know the message of hope. We know that there will be a remnant. They haven't heard about the remnant yet, at least not through Amos' sermons, but they're going to. They got a little taste of it there in chapter 3. But did you hear, if you read, did you hear what the remnant is going to be? He says, just like a shepherd goes and pulls sheep parts out of the mouth of a lion, a leg or two, maybe an ear. You can't make a whole sheep with that. Right? I mean, what good is a leg or two and an ear? Well, in our hands, it, it's nothing. But in God's hands, that's a remnant. The former, the, the creator, the one who is all-powerful, he can take two legs and an ear and make a new sheep. The promise is there. But the promise is that it's going to happen. So for us, A.D. 2022, we are looking for true worship. We are looking to be different from Israel. This is the, the message of don't be like them. Be like we're supposed to be. So what would that look like? Number one, it would look like right living. Righteousness. The second half of the verse. Righteousness like an unfailing stream. We would be righteous. We would listen to the teachers that God has sent us. We would follow the example of those who live life differently, that live life as the Bible says. We call them names usually. They kind of annoy us. They're always answering our questions with Bible verses. And yet, those are the examples God has sent us. Michael only preaches on judgment. No, I preach what Scripture says. And this is where we are. Listen to the warning of Scripture. Live right. Monday through Saturday should be a reflection of what you've learned on Sunday and read throughout the week. See, we, that's why we do the Bible reading. You're not just dependent on one 45-minute sermon or a 35-minute Connect Group lesson. If you come to Connect Groups, which you all should, 
or an hour, hour and a half of discussion of verses in our D groups, but it is a constant inflow of Scripture throughout the week, and that affects who we are, and we will have or we will experience right living. And if we have the right living, we will have the right worship. We will come into this place on Sunday mornings with a completely different heart and head to what, uh, for what we expect to happen. We will come with expectation. I've been reading God's Word all week. And when I read God's Word this week, I remembered the sermon in the, uh, the Bible study and connect groups. And I remember our discussion in D groups. And that all made sense this week because of what we had talked about on Sunday. And now... I'm going to get to hear it uh, talked about again, and we're going to put all this together, and we're going to see it in one nice little package, or maybe three nice little packages, and, and it, I'm expecting to learn something, to hear something. Yes, he's preaching on judgment again. Well, the Bible talks about it, so that must mean I need to hear it. I'm expecting to hear from God. I'm not just going through motions. I'm there to worship as Jesus tells the woman at the well, to sp in spirit and in truth. I'm anxious to hear from the Lord, and I'm anxious to respond to his word when it's taught to me. True worship is going to show, uh, show up in the right response, too. Because as I look around, I don't see anybody perfect. Not up here either. None of us. So the warnings are for all of us. Yeah, maybe I'm not doing that, but I'm, I'm confident I'm doing this. Maybe that's not my issue, but, but, but this sure is. And so I heed the warnings. I hear, I listen, and I respond. Because my heart has been prepared all week. I also know that if this Sunday I hear something and that ain't me, well, it's for somebody in here. And if any part of the body is strengthened, the entire body is strengthened. So I'm glad to come with my brothers and sisters in Christ and hear God's word preached, taught, discussed, and know that we are growing as a family of believers and disciples. I have the right response to the warnings that we are given. And finally, true worship is a result of a right meeting. A right meeting. Yeah, we want to meet God every week. We, we, we don't want to meet Him the way Amos was talking about, right? As a matter of fact, this side of the cross, we have the opportunity to meet Jesus before we meet God. Now, don't take that too literally. Yes, we're, I'm, I'm not trying to split the Trinity, and I'm not at all trying to remove the work of the Holy Spirit uh, in our hearts that draws us to Jesus. I'm not doing any of, the, any of that. Just, just take this as it stands. One day we will meet God. The Bible says every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess and what we'll confess is that Jesus is Lord. We will stand at the judgment throne. Judgment is coming. And we ignore the warnings at our own eternal peril. 
We will meet God, and we will meet the second person of God, the Son, and, and, and God will be on the throne, and, and, and we will stand before him, and we will hear either, well done, good and faithful servant, or we will hear, depart from me, for I never knew you. So before we have that meeting, we need to have this meeting. Jesus wants to save you. Jesus wants to sanctify you. He wants to save you. Uh, That's called uh, 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 justification. Thank you. Uh, Declare you innocent by faith, or by grace, through faith. Say, your sins are forgiven. It is offered to you right now. He does that. It's a free gift. But, but we have sin that we have to overcome. The wages of sin is death. Jesus wants to take away that sin. And that takeaway is a gift of God. He is saying, I don't want you to meet me for the first time at that judgment throne. I want to meet you now. I want to come where you are. That's why Jesus came, God, as a man to us, to meet us, come where we are. Say, meet me now, so that meeting later goes better. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. The sting of that judgment, the, the, the punishment, the discipline of that judgment, and discipline at that point will not mean discipline for the goal of repentance. That will mean judgment, punishment for a lifetime of disobedience. And there will be no opportunity for repentance there. The opportunity for repentance is now in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Meet with Jesus today. Trust Jesus today. Believe in Jesus today. Because judgment is coming. Prepare to meet your God by trusting in Jesus Christ as your Savior. You'll have a next step to take today. Every one of us here needs to take a next step. For somebody, it might be to accept salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. That is your next step today, to avoid that final judgment. We can talk to you about that. Trust in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. Believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. Confess with your mouth, and you will be saved. It, it really is that simple. It's, it's incredible and grand, but it's that simple. Maybe you need to follow an obedience in baptism, that first obedience as a believer. You've trusted Jesus as Savior, but you've never been baptized as a believer. Maybe you were christened as an infant. You were, you were uh, uh, well, I've forgotten what... Uh, Anyway, you were, you were sprinkled as a child, you, something confirmed. That's what I was looking for. You confirmed as a child, you, you, but you, as a believer, as someone who has trusted Jesus, you've never been baptized. Maybe you need to follow in obedience there. We can help you with that. Maybe you are a believer. And those warnings, though not exactly where you are, they hit home. You know that judgment is coming, not eternal, judgment, but certainly temporal judgment. I've not been 
what I need to be as a believer. I need to submit to God's plan and purpose for my life. I need to trust Him more. I need to avoid. Because, y'all, like I said last week, God will remove the lampstand from our church if we don't follow Him. God will give you over to your sin if you do not turn from that sin to Him, even as believers, and allow us to reap all the consequences of that sin. Maybe you have some other decisions to make. We're going to have a, a little time to do that here in just a few minutes. But whatever your decision is, whatever God is working with you about, you can come up here and pray just kneeling here at the stage. You can pray with me or Chelsea here. We have a couple of deacons in the back that would love to pray with you. Whatever your decision is, don't leave here without getting it right. If you'd like to share it with us, you can. If you're watching online and you want to send us a message or an email, feel free to do that. But don't let this time slip by. This morning, prepare to meet your God. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you send us the warnings. You, you, you constantly call us back. You show us the examples from the Old Testament of, frankly, people who never heeded the warnings so that we can see the results of that and, in turn, heed the warnings. God, I pray every person here this morning would prepare to meet you. And whether that means salvation so that they are eternally prepared, if that means preparation through the week, turning over a new leaf today to say, you know what, this week I'm going to prepare for next Sunday. I'm going to start tonight. Maybe I'm going to go to a D group, our first night of D group. So I'm going to go to a D group. So I begin to prepare tonight for what you're going to do Sunday morning. But not just what you're going to do Sunday morning, God, because you're going to work on me all week if I will spend time with you and in your word. God, whatever the decision is this morning, I pray that no one here leaves without making it. Your Holy Spirit is at work in this place now. You are drawing hearts. You're changing hearts. You're forming. You're molding. God, where we as a ministerial staff or deacons can be a part of that, be a help in that, an encouragement in that, use us this morning to pray with some people. God, if you don't need us, move us to the background and you do the work. But whatever you're going to do, Lord, we pray it will be real in the lives of the people. It will, it will take, and God, it will change hearts for good and for the future. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's stand, let's sing, let's God work on our let's let God work on our hearts this morning.